Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the DC Beer Show. Richard here. Uh, I'm in Durwood, Maryland with my good friend. Adam. And uh, we are at True Respite Brewing Company, uh, one of the Montgomery County breweries that, uh, that I enjoy the most. So uh, we are here with Brendan O'Leary, one of the co-founders. We are here with uh, Kenny Allen, one of the other co-founders. And Brendan, your wife, Bailey, is a co-founder as well, correct? Correct. All right. Well, thank you both for being here with us today. Very welcome. All right. So let's talk about these beers that we're drinking. Uh, Adam is drinking a, what are you drinking? Hey, bud, a double hazy IPA. All right, and I'm drinking a hazelnut mocha latte. Let's start with mine. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's sure. talk about this hazelnut mocha latte. Where did it come from, and, uh, uh, and, and how'd you put this together? Uh, so hazelnut mocha latte. So we happen to be like, downwind of Mayorga coffee you on mm, when the wind yeah. blows right you can smell the roaster up there and oh yeah and there's a guy up there Edgardo and I can't say enough for Edgardo really nice gentleman and uh, he helped me I went down there and we did a cupping with coffee one day with him and then I, I've used hazelnuts in the past in, di- in different ways. And so we decided we wanted to make like the, one of these uh, hazelnut latte mocha beers. So I uh, used uh, Mutton's Light Chocolate Malt. And when you use mm-hmm. the Mutton's Light Chocolate Malt, it's like 250 level bond, where most chocolate malt is more like 350 or 450. So it gives you a much more, I, I almost think of it as much more like... Um, uh, Hershey's chocolate mm. rather than like Belgian chocolate. Right, right, and right. I like, I love both chocolates very much. They just have different places to be used in cooking. So I was wanting to go for more the, the Hershey's chocolate kind of character on this one. So we use the Mutton's light chocolate malt, lactose, and then the coffee. Um, mm. I, when I'm coming up with beer recipes, usually I try and keep it like two to three different flavors that I try and balance. So this one, I was very happy with the end of this one, how it came out and how those three flavors balanced in this beer. This one actually had vanilla too because we yes. wanted to mimic the cream flavor. So it was hazelnuts, right. chocolate, vanilla, coffee, and lactose. Yeah. Well, it's it's to me, it's a little bit lighter than, than I would normally uh, expect a stout to be, but the flavor comes through really cleanly, across that uh, of all of these ingredients the chocolate is really nice yes. um, and the hazelnuts are are really I just love hazelnuts <laughs> so it's yeah. like a really great topper right it's right yeah it's, it's very very nicely done I'm, I'm really enjoying this yep and I, I tried to make this one so not one any not one ingredient just came screaming out mm-hmm, at you mm-hmm. and just get them to balance yeah yeah it's super drinkable Super consumable. And that's what, I, my, in my opinion, one of the biggest jobs as a brewer is when you finish your pint mm-hmm. and you set that pint down, you want a second pint. Yeah. 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 When you make these beers that you're like, you're at the very end, you're kind of choking down and you can feel like the grit of the lactose in between <laughs> your teeth and you just want water after right, that. Yeah. yeah. It kind of takes something away. What's the ABV on this? What is this? Ten and a half. Yeah. Ten and a half. Yeah. Okay. Did not realize lactose had uh, grit. Uh, well, you, can have grit. Yeah. If you boost it high enough, yeah, and we, yeah, we've played with the boosting it too high, because yeah, we wanted to know where the limit was. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm drinking the Hey Bud, the double hazy IPA, and I think Brendan, you're going to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, what's unique about this one? So it's Strata and Mosaic hops, um, and the Strata hops are actually fresh off the vine. They had been baled and pelletized 
within maybe seven to ten days of us using them in this brew. Ooh, super fresh. So they came right out of uh, the Yakima Valley in Washington. Um, that We love the Strata hops so much that we've already burned through our 2019 contract, and they're technically not even released yet. <laughs> I just kept wow. asking for favors from the farm, and they kept sending us fresh hops, and we put them in a bunch of beers in a row, and... That's it for Strata at True Respite this year, but um, it's an it's an exceptional hop that really that one in particular comes through. It's got that you know heady dank quality, that marijuana like quality that um, a lot of people tend to enjoy in their hazies, but also present there is just like pure clean passion fruit juice, um, in my opinion. And we paired that one with Mosaic, which is another. It's got a kaleidoscope of flavors, which is you know why it's called mosaic. But it comes through again as like heady fruit, which is a really unique combination. And those two together play off each other to make this incredibly complex, really, really delicious double hazy IPA. I would definitely agree with that. It is delicious. <laughs> Good. It's um, you know a lot of hazy IPAs. They dry hop so much, you don't get any bitterness, hop bitterness at all. Mm-hmm. But this, I think, has a good balance. I agree with you. One of the variables a lot of the brewers breweries use with the New England IPAs is final gravity. Mm-hmm. And some of them let the final gravity finish a little on the higher side in order to promote more of that fruit flavor and to, to accentuate that. We don't. When we're when ours comes in, it's not like I w- this isn't a low terminal gravity beer by any stretch, but it, it finishes off at like two nine to three one degrees Plato. Um, so it's compared to a lot of other guys, they like theirs to finish off at like four, even up to five, and that's just like I don't know. <laughs> that, that that doesn't ring home with me. It gives it a very thick, sweet body if you finish mm-hmm. higher, and it obviously dries it out and thins it up a little bit if you finish lower. And I think Kenny's found a sweet spot for how we're using our hops. And um, he's really done a number playing with the grist and playing with, you know, our different brewing parameters over the life of the brewery while we've been playing with hazies. And I think we've we've landed somewhere pretty incredible, honestly, and very unique, too. Yeah. No, it's it's delicious. Good. What's the ABV of it? This one's 8.2. Does not taste like that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, that you you hide the alcohol <laughs> nicely in <laughs> yeah. both of these beers. <laughs> yeah, it's not due to there's plenty of hops in that one to hide alcohol, so <laughs> yeah. we don't skimp on the hops. All right, let's talk about the thing most people ask: <laughs> How exactly do you pronounce the name of this brew? <laughs> uh, we pronounce it True Respite Brewing Company, but if you look it up in the dictionary, respite is a grammatically correct secondary pronunciation of the word respite. So if you say respite, you're not wrong. You just sound British. Yeah. Or well. Midwest, too. Mid- or Midwest. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's regional. Yeah, for sure. I see. Well, I've always said true respite, and we'll continue to say that. And since it's what you say, that is what we will adopt here uh, on the yep. DC Beer Show. That's what I always said as well. So. And at dcbeer.com. So, all right, true respite. How long have you guys been around? And give us just, I mean, we, you know, obviously there's information on your website about the brewery, but there's not a lot of deep history. So how did this all come together uh, in this location to create what is true respite today? <laughs> Kenny's laughing. <laughs> Kenny's just like, oh, man. Uh, so there was a knocked out tooth. There was a black eye. There was a <laughs> chunk of hair pulled out. <laughs> so, yeah. Go ahead, Brendan. 
Uh, so it's a typical story. It's yeah. a typical <laughs> brewery story. <laughs> exactly. No, I, I think we visited between 20 and 30 different sites when we were choosing a location, and um, most of them didn't suit our needs. Wait, wait, wait. I want to pull back a little bit. Like, yep. Why Durwood, Maryland? Because you guys, when you said 20 or 30 sites, do you mean 20 or 30 sites like around? In Montgomery County. Just in okay. Montgomery County. Yes. Yeah. But but you and uh, and Bailey were in Denver for a while, correct? Yep. We wrote the business plan in Denver. We lived out there for four years. We were visiting breweries out there and taking mm. inspiration from just about everywhere. So are you from here originally and you were coming back home or did you select this location for a particular reason? This this region, I should say. Is more My parents live in Northern Virginia. Ah. Kenny actually lives in Northern Virginia. Ah. So I was born in the district, though. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I'm one of the few natives in this area. All right. Yeah. You're local. Yeah. yeah uh, local as it gets. So we were looking for um, spots, and this was actually before we even met Kenny. Bailey and I were looking for spots, and we either wanted we, we wanted to be in Atlanta or the DMV region because we wanted to be near family. Sure. Bailey's from Atlanta. Her parents live down there. The laws were really restrictive in Georgia for selling pints. It was tough to open a business that was going to be economically viable in mm. the legislative environment of Georgia. So um, we were looking at Montgomery County, which had just created this Class D permit, which allows, you know, you can sell beer to go and pints on site. And it just created the ability for a, a true brewery taproom to thrive um, in a retail sense. Interesting. Um, right around the time that we were doing the business planning. So we looked in this area as a place that you know needed help with breweries and had the environment legally to open a place that could be successful. It was like a unicorn of a spot, really. Interesting. All right, that's that's really uh, that's not a story we hear often uh, when we talk to breweries. But I like yeah. the idea that people find. I mean, being somebody who lives in Montgomery County, and for all the listeners in DC and Virginia, you have your own things that you love. But <laughs> living here in Montgomery County, it's nice to know that. Is an economic attractor, and particularly an economic attractor for the kinds of businesses that I like to uh, patronize. And when we were coming into here in the Montgomery County, there was a number of people that kind of were like, oh, Montgomery County. I cannot say anything but nice things about the Montgomery County government. They were incredibly good to us. Um, the inspectors laid it out very clearly what they wanted to see. And, uh, yeah, they were just really easy to work with. So thumbs up on Montgomery County. Uh, the, everybody just was incredibly nice to us, and they were really easy to work with. All it's right. almost like yeah. everything turned on a dime, took a full 180 when that Class D retail license was created mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the county. Um, they took a new approach towards beer and said, please come here, because the reason this was such a wonderful place, so attractive from out of market, was the laws had been so bad for so long that there were no breweries. Right. So oh, yeah. here we were in 2014 yep. with maybe one or two breweries for a county of a million people, and this new tavern license was created, um, and so opportunity abounded here. And since then, they have the county in particular has made a conscious choice to really promote and support the breweries. So Kenny's totally right. It has been phenomenal working with Montgomery County. That's fantastic. That's yeah, good, that that's is fantastic. Now, how? Okay, so you guys decided that this is the place. You figure you, you you're you're honing in. Wait, wait, wait! I want to hear about the black eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's my next question: is how did Kenny get involved? Uh, uh, we met we met on it wasn't Match dot com was it? It was Tinder, on the internet. Tinder like, wasn't invented was, yet. Back Tinder then, Tinder so. wasn't invented yet. So yeah, uh, yeah, I was just surfing and found these guys, and uh, yeah, we got to talking. 
and it was it was nice and i was already in the area mm-hmm. and they were still out in denver so I, I met with a couple people early on and that were potential investors but they ended up not investing in the company um but yeah i was here kind of knew the lay of the land right. and uh i've brewed for a decent amount of time so yeah it was nice and yeah and you also have a background, Kenny, in in non beer food manufacturing, I guess. Yeah, you and I, yeah, I've been working in just in. So I worked at Old Dominion for like fifteen years, mm-hmm. and it was funny. I was uh, at Dominion. I started off on the bottling line, just taking bottles off the line and putting them in six packs right. and mopping the floors at Dominion. And this morning. I brewed a batch of beer this morning, and then I mopped the floors in the <laughs> afternoon. So not much has changed in 25 years. So, um, but such is the life of a brewer. Um, but yeah, so I did that, and then I've worked at a large milk processing plant, and I was also a quality control manager at an ice cream factory in a, ha- a Haagen Dazs ice cream factory. And it was funny because drinking beer, I've never really gained weight drinking beer and being a brewer. Um, man, when I worked at that ice cream factory, woo, I, I loaded on some weight there. And it was not, yeah, I remember one day I was like, all right, I got to stop. <laughs> so that's the only, ice cream is the only thing that's ever caught up with me. So when were you guys like in a position to go, okay, we're doing this, we're opening a brewery? Oh, that's a tough question because we thought so many times we were there. <laughs> and that's yes. where all the black eyes and the hair pulling came from. Um I, I remember we had a first meeting, I, I think it was with an SBA lender, bank lender, who was like, <laughs> this is easy, no problem, just submit your paperwork, this is a knockout home run. And I remember calling Kenny, who was at his son's Boy Scout meeting that oh, I afternoon. I remember it like yesterday. <laughs> and, th- th- you know, you could hear him trying to contain himself on the phone as I was telling him, Kenny, this is basically a done deal. Like, we got the money. This was all those stories of it being tough, they were exaggerated. Like, we got the secret <laughs> sauce, it's on. And, uh, <laughs> this was probably two or three years before we actually opened, I yeah, think. Yeah, so, something wow. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, 25 lenders later, and we were finally um, funded. Wow. And it took us four years. Bailey and I started writing the business plan in April 2014, and we opened our doors in April 2018. And we did not stop working the entire time. Wow. So wow. four years, yeah. It took genuinely four years. Four not years like from the start. Four years of half effort. It was four years of trying every day. Woo. So what made you settle on this location in this building? This was the only one that would have us. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, we Bailey fell in love with this building the second we walked into it, and she had this premonition, like, that's the one. And I was kind of like, well, it's in the back of an office park and it's, you know, it's all office users and tenants and there's only one shipping door and there's no way they're going to let us take the only shipping door in the whole building. And I I just, I saw these roadblocks and Bailey saw opportunity. And um, we we visited a bunch of other spots as we were um, trying to make our decisions and the landlords kept, it was not the county, by the way, it was the landlords. And they kept saying, oh, this is a retail space. I don't want a dirty industrial user. Or they'd say, this is an industrial space. I don't want all the parking and hassle of dealing with a retail space. Or it was too expensive. Or they didn't believe in a a small brewery could be successful in Montgomery County's environment because the old stigma stuck. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or there were a million reasons why people we wanted to spend our money with didn't want us 
in their building. <laughs> and then we found this one was we had been told no, you know, 24, 29 times, whatever it was. We were, And Bailey and I drew a line in the sand and said, if this does not go through, we're done trying. Like, it's, it just oh. can't happen. This is the last one. And when the answer comes back, it's either it's happening or it's not. And that's that. We can't. Because I hadn't been working a full-time job for, I think, a year at that point. Maybe. And <laughs> As he looks, he's looking back to Bailey. I'm looking for reassurance <laughs> from Bailey. Like, was it that long? Because I know she, she knows how long it was. It was, it was more, more, she says. So it had been over a year. And it was like, I can't, we, we can't do this anymore. It's time to, you know, yeah. put oh, up yeah. Shut up. No, I, so. I understand, yeah. Well, they, I'm glad this place said yes. They and then and I just I mean the perseverance of going through all of that is I, I hear I work a lot with startups and and other entrepreneurs and I hear that you hear that constantly that it's like we were at that line <laughs> like it was the, it was this or nothing. But there was like a um, baker's dozen lines before that. Sure, exactly. Yeah, yeah we exactly. kept hitting them, and somehow and, and, we kept crossing the line. I and, don't know. And all of the work I've done for the last ten years with with entrepreneurs, like successful ones, tell that same story over and over and over again. It's like here are all the different times when this was on the verge of failure, but didn't. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's a great story, and I love to hear those stories, particularly when they're about something I love as much as, as beer and breweries. Uh, so, that yeah, that's really fantastic. So, you opened in 2018. That's a year and a half now? Yeah, over a year and a half. Oh, yeah. So, how's it going? <laughs> Having uh, fun? Yeah, it's going well. Uh, there's challenges. I mean, uh, yeah, like we knew there would be. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, production is going through the roof. So that's like the big thing. We we just dropped a new production schedule on Kenny's lap yesterday, and he <laughs> took it surprisingly well. <laughs> we were ready for a catastrophe, and uh, somehow we got through that meeting with him only grumbling slightly. And, um, and I don't see any black eyes or anything. So <laughs> mm, there's, there's makeup involved. <laughs> So yeah, we we just we've determined that like you know we've we've grown a bunch. We bought two new thirty barrel fermenters since we opened. We bought a canning line. We've done a lot of expansion right. and reinvestment in the business, and now we're turning our focus towards um, optimizing the equipment that we have in here at the moment. So yeah, that and makes, maximizing that makes sense. production yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the brewery. Let's talk about what's in there. Let's talk about what you started with. And, uh, and, and and this expansion that you've done. And I know, Adam, you really wanted to talk about some of the innovative ways that you save energy and uh, and make your brewery operate. Um, and your brewery is custom. Let's start there, right? Yes, it is. Right? It's mm-hmm. not, you, 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 it was designed from top down custom. When you, when you open, I know you've added some stuff. but Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you want to start where we started, the brewery was in Brendan's parents' garage and we brewed a bunch of batches there what was the man's name across the street the indian man sumit sumit yeah so sumit we introduced him to a lot of new england ipas <laughs> super, <laughs> super nice guy i liked him a lot but yeah we used to go over there and hang i used to go over there and hang out in in the garage and we brewed little small batches on the the tower of power brew system five, so, five gallon or ten gallon or? oh we went big for the ten gallon okay yes <laughs> yeah so, and I was like, I was sitting there and it was like, yeah, I was like going, oh my goodness, I have no control whatsoever. It was like, cause like on fermentation, I had no chiller. Yeah. I was like sitting there like going, okay, I, I can make good beer on this, but 
if you ask me to make the exact same beer again, I'm going to have difficulty. In my mind, I'm going to have difficulty doing that. I'll say you put out some real bangers on that little system. It, they, we had several that came out well. I really like several that came out of that system. It's just I, we, we all three of us recognize that when somebody steps up and ponies up $15, $17, for a four-pack of 16-ounce beers and they fall in love with a beer and they come back to it, they want the same thing again. Right. They don't want a surprise. Yeah. yeah, and I don't I like surprising my kids on their birthday. I like surprising <laughs> my wife when we go out to dinner. Yeah, I like those kinds of surprises. I don't like surprising people when I'm taking their money yeah. and handing them a product. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so that's what our system here allows me to do and it allows it. So yeah. And I've got a I've got a great team of people that I get to work with too. So I'm I'm very lucky in that way. So what kind of system do you have here now? So it's an, so we have two systems, and I okay. really like that also. So we have a Blickman three-and-a-half barrel system, and the Blickman three-and-a-half barrel system, I really like it a lot because it lets us experiment. And, like, all three of us come up with some pretty wacky ideas. I mean, yeah, sometimes I'm pretty sure that Brendan has, like, a third or fourth personality with his <laughs> ideas that he comes up with because I'm just like where in the world is that coming from and uh, but we can do them on the three and a half barrel system because even like it's hard to get over like $500 for a bat for all all in $500 not labor but $500 all in on ingredients on the three and a half barrel system so it allows us to take a lot of chances on that um, so we have the really nice three and a half barrel Blickman system and then we have a 15 barrel Abe system and really like that system too um, I can punch out two brews off of that thing in about 10 to 12 hours depending on the beer and the louder and how the louder operates that day um, when we really load it down, it slows down a little bit. No big shocker. All louders do that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of uh, – so we have a small system. We have a small system. And then the 15-barrel system, I call it a medium-sized system because I've worked on 30-barrel systems. I have friends that have 50-barrel systems. And guess what I'm not envious of? The guys that have the 50-barrel systems right now. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it's like I look at those systems and I scratch my head and it's like, wow, that's a lot of beer of one flavor mm -hmm. to flow through the market and yeah. to flow through the market quickly. Yeah. So, it's, it's funny he brings that up. That really calls into attention our business model, which is somewhat unique but becoming more common um, mm -hmm. right now. We rarely repeat a beer. So Kenny was talking earlier about repeatability in brewing and really what in our con in the context of our brewery he's repeating um you know grists for some hazy ipas he's repeating where we land on final gravity but he lets me play with the hop combinations for our hazies so we're, we brew um i would almost call them like iterative hazies where mm -hmm, each time we mm -hmm. brew we learn a little something we tweak it and we move on to the next and we very, very uncommonly come back and rebrew a beer unless it was a smashing success. Right. So um, that's one of the things that makes our brewery unique is just the continuous, fresh, new, interesting releases that flow out of here constantly. And that was a challenge I think that Kenny um, has risen to absolutely and was not something he's used to from prior prior brewing experiences. Yeah, I never produced a New England IPA before I started working here a year and a half ago. Yeah. So, yeah, and out at Dominion, 
I ran a nice uh, a nice diatomaceous earth filter for about a year and a half. That was my job, and I got really good at making absolutely pristine, crystal clear beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I was told to make a hazy IPA, it was I was definitely like, "Oh, you're kidding me!" <laughs> it was like, "Give me that filter, and I'll make you." <laughs> yeah, it's like this is like the Antichrist. <laughs> right. That's funny. Like you can even debate what makes a hazy IPA. Like how hazy is hazy? And for us, it was it was like, is that hazy? No, that's like you know, maybe a little hazy. I want full on murk. It's not murky. That's, yeah, it's <laughs> not murk. But uh, but you did you did good. <laughs> I'm glad. And guess what? I've also turned a, a very sharp corner. And hazy IPAs, there's a distinct quality to them that is not in any other beer. So I really do. I've embraced the hazy IPA beer, mm-hmm. and I've really embraced it because I think there th- that that. That methodology of brewing those beers brings a component, a flavor component to the beer that you can't get any other oh, way. Oh, yeah. No, it's a, it's a whole new way. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a completely different uh, kind, of, kind of beer, but it's, it's wonderful. I mean, that's one of the things that I've, has kept me excited about beer is, is just every few years something new and interesting comes along, and there's new ways to create flavors. And uh, so I'm, I'm glad it's here. I can't wait to see what, what people do next. My palate is genuinely searching for physical chunks of pulp as right. I drink this hay bud mm-hmm. here today. This is one of the most delicious, juicy, fruity, pulpy beers we have ever brewed. It is really nice. But you you, you mentioned earlier um, this becoming more common, this business model of sort of churning out uh, different beers or variations on a theme on a regular basis. And I know we're seeing it more um, places like Astrolab yeah. are doing a really good job of it. Yes. Um, but we, yeah, it's it's an interesting business model, and I think it fits what we were just saying about there's so many styles of beer now that it, it really creates the opportunity to do that kind of iterative um, experimentation with flavors and hops and malts and yeasts and all the different things. I think it plays that, into the psychology of why people enjoy beer. I mean, mm-hmm. when we look for mm-hmm. something that we that excites us, there has to be a foundation of familiarity. Like I know I understand this on on some level, but there's a new twist that excites me. And so, you know, like a hazy IPA is a, is a general foundation from which you can leap and then you can go any number of directions and they can be exciting for hop varietals or they can be exciting because this one's juicy and this one's danker. And so you have a foundation of understanding generally what to expect and you're still able to be surprised. And I think that it's just the perfect spot on either of those continuums that that makes it continue to be an exciting style. Excellent. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, me too. So I understand that the system you use, I think it's a 15-barrel system, you can use the hot mash to warm up the water for your next brew? Mm, not exactly. Okay. So what you do, so we mash in, then we run over to the, uh, or to the, the boil, brew kettle, yeah. boil it, and then yeah. we send it to the whirlpool. And after we're done with the whirlpool, when we take cold water, cold liquor, I still have yet to figure out why brewers always call water liquor. That one escapes me to this day. <laughs> but uh, it's so we take cold liquor and we run it through the through the heat exchanger. And it'll take it, it – I usually keep my whole cold liquor tank about 38 degrees Fahrenheit. And then it'll – I can exchange that heat mass from one body of liquid to another and then fire it into the hot liquor tank. 
And then, so I'm taking that mass of heat and transferring it from one body of liquid to another. And we brew twice a day here. So your second brew, you have hot water coming at you really quick. So it reduces our heat demand, our, so we're not firing up our boil as much. Um, there's a number of breweries that do this. This is a, a pretty common thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so um, you see it. You you see it most okay. places. Yeah, because I mean, we, yeah, it's we're, a lot of energy. Oh, very oh, energy intensive. Oh, very energy intensive. So yeah, anywhere you can save money, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it there's no downs. I'm not aware of there being any downsides to it. It's the way most people run them. It's, it's smart. It saves not only energy, so you're not burning the gas to run the boiler to heat the water, but you're also recovering the water itself. Right. So the water is used as um, a cooling medium, and you cover it into your hot liquor tank to become your next beer. So you're recovering the cooling water and the heat energy that you use to heat up the first batch. You just pull it back into your next batch of water and use it to preheat the second batch. The thing is, you need a cold liquor tank. And, like, if you go yeah. to, like, some small, small pub breweries where square footage is at a super premium, right. then they'll use a glycol chiller. And then mm-hmm. that's when you're you're running the heat up into a glycol chiller, probably on mm-hmm. the roof, dumping it out into the atmosphere, the heat, uh, mm-hmm. in order to cool it to come back down. So, yeah, and that's when it's not... And you pay for the electrical bills, but, like, if you're one of the mall, if you're a brewery in Tyson's Corner... Then, yeah, yeah. You're, pay, you're paying pretty high dollar for right. per square foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And are there any other things that you're doing to save energy that are environmentally friendly? I guess you would say. <laughs> Honestly, the best person to talk about this would be Bailey. She's instituting a new um, program for us about recycling and sustainable use of sustainable waste generation. I guess. Bailey, you want to come Would talk want, about that? You can be our special guest. Yeah. Um. Well, we've been joined by uh, Bailey O'Leary, one of the co-founders of True Respite. She's going to talk to us a little bit about all of the uh, the environmental initiatives you guys are doing. Hey there. Welcome to the DC Beer Show. Hey, thank you. Um, so we are, it's still a work in progress. Nothing is really final yet when mm-hmm. it comes to sustainability. It's a continued growth really my background is in environmental engineering so this is something that's close to my heart and i want us to continue to move forward towards more sustainable practices and we're looking into getting a composting program going the idea behind compost is that we would be able to actually reduce the amount of trash that we're creating because from what i've read and been told about 70% of trash accumulated really is thing, are things that could be composted. So mm-hmm. we're going to mm-hmm. start with, we're looking into starting a composting program. Um, we learned recently that beer labels, so if you, you can't recycle a can with a beer label on it. So uh. we're looking into different ways to get the message across to people that we want you to recycle our cans, but peel the label first because those aren't actually recyclable. Um, Interesting. All right. And, uh, cool. Did we're, not know that. We're continuing to try to find new ways to increase our sustainability. We work closely with the Rockville Brew Shed. So they are a group of volunteers that work to spread information about how important clean water is for beer ah. and different things that we can do to help protect our watershed. So we had them... We've done a handful of events with them, and actually today we're releasing a pretty cool beer that we brewed in collaboration with them. So we had a 
Brewers hike with them back in May. Mm-hmm. And the group went for a hike at Croydon Creek Nature Center down the road and then came back here for happy hour after. And Kenny went with them. And he can probably talk to this better than I can. <laughs> but the idea was to pick an ingredient from the hike to brew a beer with. And oh, wow. they ended up selecting Spice Bush. So we have some locally foraged spice bush that we put into an amber ale. So that beer is being released today, which is pretty cool. And just Ooh. another way to, to rom- <laughs> remind people that clean water is important and we all need to do our part to protect our watershed. That's fantastic. Have you, yeah. Richard, you said you're from Montgomery County? No, not originally. I'm, oh. from, I'm the one from Alabama. Oh, but, you, <laughs> but do you know Croydon Creek? Uh, I don't. You should go visit it. Really? When you get down into there, you, you drop into this valley. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful hike. You do not feel like you're like in the in, city. In like, oh, oh no. I, I want to know. I'm writing this down. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's really pretty. Definitely. Yeah. And the lady was Amanda, yes? Yeah. Yeah, Amanda. I'm horrendous with names, so excuse me. But Amanda was just this really nice woman, and she's the one that actually came up with the spice bush idea. And she was like, Amazing. oh, yeah. yeah. She was like, take a look at this. She was like, it's kind of like all spice. And when people first hit this area, they use really it. really intrigued. Oh. Is it out there like now? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's really stated in We're going to have to try that. Yeah. The only thing I would say is when you try this one, I um, I always try and like ease my way into ingredients. And this this flower, you want to use it. It's not a flower. It's a leaf. When You want you want to use it when the leaf is turning yellow. And mm. I was grabbing these leaves and I was rubbing them in my hand and breaking them into pieces and then putting them up into my nose. And they were really pungent. And I was like, whoa. I was like, this thing is going to carry some weight. Yeah. And so I went with, I filled up three five-pound bags. Holy mackerel. Well, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I thought, okay, this is, this is going to kind of be a, a circus trick beer a little mm-hmm. bit. And it's like, let's go for it. And it didn't punch through quite as much as I would like to have. Um, mm-hmm. If if I could get the leaves clean and make sure that there was no like mildew or anything right, right, right. happening on them, I would crush them and put them in people's beers as they're drinking them because uh, it, it oh. really is a beautiful odor. And yeah, Amanda gets a lot of credit for figuring that one out. She's a super nice woman and she's part of the watershed group and s- crazy knowledgeable on uh, how the watershed is doing great things for this county. Awesome. Wow, that was a whole lesson that I didn't expect to get, but I'm really mm. glad I did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I hope the listeners appreciate it, too. Wow, this, there's so much going on here uh, that that we could really probably talk all day. Um, but for many of our listeners who uh, getting to Durwood, which is northern Montgomery County, eastern Montgomery County? Right between Rockville and, and Gaithersburg. Right, right, really. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for we do have a lot of listeners in northern Virginia who probably aren't going to come up. Where else can people find True Respite Beer? We are distributed throughout the state of Maryland. Um, that's new as of about a week or two ago. Congratulations. We, thank you. Yeah, yes, we joined with Other Side Beverage. They're a new distributor in the state. Um, mm. They bring with them many years of experience um, as former legend reps and uh, a former director of operations at RER Brewing on the Eastern Shore. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, a few guys got together, started a new boutique distributorship. We have signed with them. That brought us statewide. It also introduced us to Delaware. So we are statewide in Maryland and Delaware now. Excellent. And we are also distributed throughout the district. So, you know, if you especially search for very crafty bottle shops, package stores, you're very likely to find some whatever the latest True Respite release is on the shelf. Excellent. Excellent. And if people were to come here, how would they be able to take home beer? I mean, do you do crawlers, growlers? 
all the above. Cans, all We've the got above. a nice beer fridge out there full of all the funny looking labels. We've got <laughs> deals on three growlers at a time or three crowlers at a time. I mean, we we serve the stoplight snap packs. Nice. Um, we've got we fill growlers. Uh, you name it. However you like your beer, we've got it for you. We've got a crowler machine out there too. Excellent. So, yeah. Yeah. Pre- yeah. Yeah, I love the crowlers. Yeah, we, yeah we're boring too. people. Yeah. yeah, we we love crowlers. We talk right. about it incessantly. Yeah, <laughs> right. if I bring another if I bring another growler home, my wife is going to whack me in the back <laughs> of the head with it, knock me down. So, yeah. yeah, and I'm I a, and real truth be told, I don't want any more at my house either. I have yeah. I must have a dozen of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And you just accumulate them. But it, you oh, never, yeah. you never remember to bring them but with you. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you just, you're just like, that's five bucks for another one. I'll so just pay the five bucks. Then you have another one. But crawlers right. make it right. Make, and the other thing, other challenge is, if if now that we're all grown up. When you open a growler, <laughs> you kind of have to finish the growler. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's what are you going to do? Let it go bad? It's not going to keep. <laughs> no. So you're either suddenly having people over <laughs> or, or you're drinking way too much beer right. by yourself. You're sleeping in the Lazy Boy. Right. That's yeah. not fun. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, so crowlers make it a little bit easier. Disclaimer, though. We don't do crowlers and growlers for beers we have in cans in the fridge. Well, that makes sense. Okay. But that's okay. Yeah, that you, then sense. you can just get cans. Yeah, you right. just take the cans that's, home. That, that's why crowlers, in my mind, are better than growlers, is I can go get crowlers. And it's like, okay, I'm going to have 32 ounces. Two beers. Of this. Yep. I'm going to have two beers of this beer, and yeah. that'll be as much beer as I typically will drink. Perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Right. And it's really nice, too, when you have somebody else to split one. Because mm-hmm. when you split one, it's like, ah, oh, beautiful. Here we go. Yeah. And we can have two new beers. Yeah. You can have two new beers and have a lot of fun with it. We should do a whole, like... Yep. Like in praise of Crowler's episode, <laughs> we talk about this way, way too much. Yeah. Way, way too much. So, could you tell us what you have coming up at the brewery? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Um, so, just today, we are canning Colory Land, which is a collaboration with um, 1623 Brewing, which is a brewery here in Maryland whose brewer lives in Colorado and flies back and forth, and Woods Boss Brewing Company, which is a brewery in Denver, Colorado. So we call it Colory Land because that's a combination of Colorado and Maryland. And for Brew Day on this one, um, we actually had Zach from 1623 fly from Denver to the D.C. area with our yeast as his checked luggage. And he flew out fresh yeast from a boutique yeast um, lab out in Denver. It's a mm. custom boutique yeast strain that we've used for the first time here out um, on our IPA. So Colory Land is being canned today and is being released on Friday at the brewery at True Respite and on Saturday at Whitey's Liquors in Annapolis. And then next week, the real treat, on Wednesday, um, the hazelnut mocha latte that Richard is enjoying here as we um, record the show is being released in cans for a super wide distro. So that'll be released in the brewery on Wednesday and then the following week for wide distro. Nice. And lastly, Black Friday, we are setting up a pop-up beer garden at the Clarksburg Premium Outlets. And we will be releasing awesome. multiple, multiple beer barrel-aged beers for um, Black Friday. Wow. wow, that will be a party. <laughs> yeah, a lot of shopping and partying and drinking beer. So yeah. I get the sense we're going to be out there set up. Um, I think at nine a.m. on Friday, <laughs> breakfast <laughs> beer. So the bottles will probably be more popular in the morning, but by the time noon hits, I imagine the draft is going to become the star of the show. So. Uh, I oh think, yeah, I think that's definitely true. It's always happy hour somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, <laughs> lastly. 
One more. One more big one event. More one big more. Event. Yes. On uh, December 7th, Saturday, December 7th, we're having our annual holiday artist fair at the brewery. We have 18 or 20 local artisans who will be set up with booths. Great time to shop for gifts for friends and family. All the makers are right here um, making the stuff themselves by hand. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. Very European. Yes, Excellent. like a Christmas market. Beautiful. All right. Brendan O'Leary from True Respite, Bailey O'Leary from True Respite, and Kenny Allen, the three co-owners of True Respite, thank you for joining the DC Beer Show today. We really appreciate you guys taking the time to be on the show. Thank Thank you very much. Yeah, had a lot of fun here today, too. All right. Uh, Remember, listeners, you can get everything you need to know about the DC craft beer scene and Northern Virginia and Montgomery County and the whole DMV area at dcbeer.com. Uh, if you want to talk to us, you should just reach out to us on the socials at DC Beer on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Thanks very much, and remember always drink great beer. <laughs>